0: Typically, in any given month, I could have anywhere between six and ten seizures, um, usually in clusters. There were no seizures at all, but uh, but I just kept with the diet, and the seizures basically just never came back, and that was over three and a half years ago.
1: Welcome to You Cured What, the podcast of reversing the irreversible, this Is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What conversation. My guest today has a fascinating story of radically transforming her health to the point where after a lifetime of seizures, she's now a distance hiking, deadlifting, animal video posting extraordinaire, and has been seizure-free for years. Welcome to the You Cured What podcast, Jennifer. How are you doing today, Jennifer?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I've Um, heard your story and seen you talk about your story um, online uh, numerous times. Uh, Can you give the listeners a little bit of uh, your health background?
0: Sure. Um, So I've had epilepsy since I was about 12. Um, I I kind of grew up with it because my mom also had epilepsy and I remember her having seizures when I was a small child. Uh, the, The interesting part was, is that my mother has grand mal seizures where mine are partial seizures. So when I started experiencing what I later learned to be were actually seizures, I didn't think it was epilepsy because I was accustomed to the my, my mother having grandmas, And uh, so they're basically, the, the symptoms of my seizures are kind of this really intense deja vu kind of rolls in. Um, I get severe amnesia, my muscles clench up and get warm. Um, I get this kind of dread and fear in the pit of my stomach, kind of like when you're going off a roller coaster really fast. Um, some tremors in my hands, but not much. But I w- it, it's always, the, the catalyst for it is always this intense déjà vu. So as a kid, I thought this is what déjà vu is and was really wondering why people didn't complain about it more. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, déjà vu. And I'm like, oh, those are awful. <laughs> um, so after dealing with those, you know, it, it wasn't often, like I, ha- I kept a diary like all through junior high, high school. And I would write about it sometimes, but not with any sense of regularity where I could have some kind of pattern recognition as to you know their frequency. And it wasn't until I was in my twenties where I actually sent it to my doctor and she referred me to a neurologist and then I was officially diagnosed. Um, so kind of from that point on, it was just okay, we're going to try you on this medication. Okay, after six months, medication's not working. Let's try another medication and another medication. And this is kind of like the story of my life from the age of 20 until about four, uh, 41, where I was just on one medication after the other. And it reached a certain point where my neurologist was like, okay, it's clear this isn't working. We need to do other options. And one of those was actual epilepsy surgery, which I was not too keen on, um, just because A, I had read the side effects, and b I spent so much money on my hair, I did not want my head shaved. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? <laughs> um, which I said that joke to my neurologist and it was just this dead pan, like what? Because most neurologists are completely humorless, which means I don't know how to relate to them in any way. Um, so it was 2017, I think it was probably January or February. Um, I had been on Keppra for seizure control for, I guess, a couple of years. And I was already on a really high dose. Like I was on the max therapeutic dose at the time. And she's like, well, let's just bump it up another 500 milligrams. And I'd already been dealing. So the side effects of these medications, not only was I still having seizures, so it wasn't doing anything for my seizure control, but it was triggering an- severe anxiety. So I was also on SSRIs. I had Xanax, because ambi- it was also causing crippling, like, insomnia so i wasn't sleeping so i was just on this whole like wardrobe of medications to control the side effects of my seizure meds that weren't working and over the course of all of this happening i had you know read here and there about the ketogenic diet for epilepsy and there's a lot of research and studies that would mean you know, for children but not too much for adults um so I had mentioned it to my neurologist quite a few times. And every time she was like, you know, we really don't recommend it. It has a very low adherence rate. Um, you know, it, it can have, you know, adverse effects on blood panels and lipids and things like that. So let's just stick to what we're doing now. We'll see if we can find some other alternatives. So in 2017, when she raised my medication again, I just, I, I was fed up. So I hopped online and I found the Charlie Foundation, which is an invaluable resource. It's targeted for children, but it's, It's the same diet for adults as it is for children. Um, It's just, you know, you don't necessarily need to make like teddy bear keto friendly cookies, you know, you can do whatever you want uh, as far as the recipes are concerned. So I read about the protocol and typically what they do is they admit the patient, um, they they admit them inpatient for a period. I don't know what the period of time is, but they start them with a two day fast to kind of kickstart burning off all of the glycogen. Um, and getting them into a fat adapted state. So you start with a two day fast and then you gradually titrate down to the diet where it's, you know, the the macros of, I think it was, uh, 80, 15, five. So 80% fat, 15% protein, 5% carbohydrate, which was easy enough. It's like, that's just math. I can do arithmetic. So I bought all new groceries for the house and I just started working this, you know, new way of eating into my daily routine. And, um, I mean, it was hard at first because your body's running out of glycogen and you're stopping the, you know, running off of sugar and everything. You know, you most most people who have been through this transition can, can attest to the crankiness and the you know, cravings and all that. But it was easier for, I think it was easier for me to stick to because I really wanted my seizures under control. So to me, s- cheating on the diet meant, okay, this is going to, you know, undo all the hard work I'm doing to get my seizures under control. And typically in any given month, I could have anywhere between six and 10 seizures, um, usually in clusters, um, mostly because for women, seizures can be hormonally triggered. So usually around the time of ovulation is when you tend to have more seizure activity for some women, um, which makes sense because my seizures kicked in at puberty. Um, okay. my, mom's kick- my mom's kicked in with her first pregnancy, which was me. Um but I noticed that first month, I didn't, I mean, I had a couple of auras. Um, auras are kind of like, I liken them to when you feel like you're going to sneeze and you're waiting for it to happen, but then you don't sneeze. It's, it's kind of like that. So mm-hmm. I would have a, an aura here or there, um, but there were no seizures at all. And I'm like, okay, this could be a fluke. So I was I was still taking my medication at at the time. but uh, But I just kept with the diet and the seizures basically just never came back. And that was over three years
1: ago, over three and a half years ago. Wow. Wow. So, um, you know, what, uh, what did your doctor say at this point after, um, you know, she hadn't been recommending the ketogenic diet, she said, um, you know, low adherence rate, um, you know, let's, let's kind of continue on the path, maybe, um, tweak the amount of, um, you know of the medication that you're taking, um, yeah. How did she react?
0: Yeah, so I um, I typically had a follow up with my neurologist every six months, so they were twice a year, and that particular uh, fo- that particular follow up was scheduled for July. I mean, I'm sorry, not July, August. So exactly six months from when I first started the diet. And sometimes I would see my neurologist, and sometimes she would have me see her. Um, what is it? A nurse practitioner or a physician? I think she's a physician's assistant. So I had actually been scheduled with the physician's assistant, which was great because she had she was had an awesome personality, and I really liked hanging out with her. She's very approachable, a lot more open minded. Um, unbeknownst to them. Over the course of that six months, I had started to kind of reduce my... Now, I don't recommend this. I am not a medical professional nor a role <laughs> model. So <laughs> medical disclaimer, do not do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I made a decision. It was probably grossly irresponsible, but you got to understand 30 years of this nonsense. I was... Yeah. So anyway, I began titrating my meds down. So I was on six pills a day of these giant horse bills. And I had gotten down to one by the time I went in for my six month appointment with my, and it was great because at the six month appointment, I was down like 50 pounds, which was incredible because I was, I weighed almost 290 at the time when I first started. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I go in and she's like, oh my God, you're looking great. You know, are are you feeling it? And, you know, did the whole, like, you've lost weight. You must be much healthier now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm super healthy now. Um, but then because it wasn't my neurologist, it was the physician's assistant. It was a much more chill conversation than it would have been otherwise. And she's like, okay, so how's your seizure activity been? And I'm like, you know, actually I haven't had a seizure since probably February, February, March. And she's like, really? Uh, so medication, it's finally taking effect. And I'm like, so here's the thing. (laughs) So then I had to, kind of relay to her the entire story that I, I just relayed to you. And she kind of pauses for a moment. She's like, okay, so I'm really happy that you're not having any seizure activity. Um, but just to be, you know, in full disclosure, we typically like to admit patients to the hospital for this protocol, you know, to keep them under observation. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been great. Except every time I brought it up to Dr. So-and-so, I was shot down and told that this wasn't an option for me. So I just did it on my own. And you can t- I, I couldn't tell if, the, if she was disappointed because she was afraid that she was going to have to relay this information to my neurologist or she was just confused. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, long story short, she uh, at the end of our conversation, she's like, well, the amount of medication that you're taking right now is only 500 milligrams, which is below therapeutic level. So we can just take you off of that altogether. I'm like, I'm okay with this. Um, And she's like, you know, and if you're, if it's been six months and you haven't had a seizure and that's like a record for you, I, I have no problem with you continuing what you're going to, what you're doing already. Um, Let's go ahead and schedule a follow-up for 18 months out, which was huge because that's three times longer than what I'd been accustomed to. And no more EEGs and, you know, video EEG studies and MRIs and uh, those things add up. It's insane. Um, so yeah, and she, she, did, she wanted to do a lipid panel. Cause of course she was worried about my cholesterol, um, which at the time was elevated, but I was like in peak weight loss mode. So, you know, my LDL is going to be a little elevated. Um, and she's like, let's just keep an eye on it. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, but you know, we'll check in in 18 months. And they were supposed to get back to me to schedule that, and they never did. And I was still see- free and feeling great and still losing weight and sleeping well. And I was off my anxiety meds. I was off of all prescription medications at this point. And I was like, you know, I could just not go back. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Yeah. um
0: so yeah, so ever since then, I've just been flying on my own and sticking with the diet and having a lot more fun now because I'm healthy and active and, you know, getting stronger every day and, you know, actually able to remember conversations I have with people instead of, and I don't have aphasia anymore. Like I was always having these these periods where I would, I would, I could literally see a word in my head and it would not come out. I, I just could not articulate my thoughts very well which is very frustrating. Um and my short-term memory just from years of you know in seizures is 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 pretty subpar like I'm really good at memorizing things like once things are committed to memory it's kind of like a steel trap but short-term stuff like if I go see a movie or go to a concert I'll remember it for like a month or two and then I have no recollection of it. Like my husband's always bringing things up he's like remember that time we did this thing and I'm like I really don't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's kind of why I kept a diary like all through junior high, high school and even beyond was because I wanted to remember my life because if I was just left left my own like organic memory it just it would be gone.
1: Wow, that's fascinating. um I didn't realize um is that something that's common in um people who suffered from the same types of seizures that um you had?
0: Uh, yeah, so I have left temporal lobe seizures, so it's on this side, um, and I actually have what's called hippocampal sclerosis. It's very slight, but it's basically part of my hippocampus is damaged, and that's part of the brain that's responsible for you know converting uh, short term memory to long term. So, like, I can watch a movie three times and then recite it to you start to finish after that. <laughs> like, I can recite like two digits of pi if you were so inclined. Like, this stuff just sticks to my head, but you know, my best friend's wedding, like I have no memory of being at at her wedding, you know? So, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping that improves with time. Um, I feel like it's getting a little bit better and I'm able to remember events in my life, you know, a little more comprehensively, but it's not as, not as good as most people's is.
1: Wow. And it seems, yeah, it seems like um, there's been a lot of Improvement in um yeah in your brain activity, and that um yeah, you've noticed some amazing results um you mentioned that before you started this, you were up around uh two hundred ninety pounds um mm-hmm. you know how much weight do you think you've lost um total so far in the approximately three and a half or a little over three and a half years that you've been on? A ketogenic diet.
0: Yeah, I've been weight stable for about a year. Um, but I weighed one. Or sorry, I weighed two eighty seven when I started. Sometimes it would be up to two ninety, depending how much water I was retaining. But yeah, around there. And I currently weigh between anywhere between one twenty seven and one thirty, so about one hundred and sixty pounds total.
1: Wow! Wow, that's um, incredible. I also um, I want to go back to something you mentioned. Um, You mentioned it kind of in passing earlier, but one of the options that was on the table, along with the kind of it seems like maybe ever increasing medication, um, surgery was on the table. Um, Yeah, what would what would that surgery have involved?
0: So uh, I think it was two thousand and fifteen, maybe. No, no, it was sooner than that because it was before I met my husband. Um, they admitted me to the hospital for a seven day video EEG study. So, and actually, if you see my pinned tweet, you'll see me with the electrodes glued to my head. That's what that study was for. So they, they put you in the hospital and they take you off all your medications and they airplane glue electrodes to your head, wrap your head up and then leave you there day after day after day until you have a seizure so they can uh, inject radioisotopes and then throw you in an MRI machine so they can pinpoint the exact location of the seizures. Um, and what they also do is they make you sleep deprived. So I was only allowed to sleep four hours a night. Oh, so they would keep me awake and then wake me up with a heparin shot at like 4 a.m. or something. Which heparin shots, I don't know if you've ever had one, but when you're in the hospital and you can't leave your bed, like if you're having surgery, it's right in your belly. Like so that I was woken up every day with a heparin shot in my belly. Oh, um but, the, but the, the staff was great. I mean, they knew I was getting really punchy and cranky after a while. Um, but yeah, so the process there is they are able to pinpoint like the actual location of the seizure activity. And then they referred me to a, a neurosurgeon where I had a consult. Um, and the actual surgery was they go in and take a chunk out of your temporal lobe. Like they remove part of your brain. And I had done some research on this, and I'm going to apologize. There's a smoke sort of motorcycle gangs that like to run through my neighborhood, so we're going to hear that in a minute. <laughs> um, so annoying. <laughs> we'll just let them have a moment.
1: All right. Yeah. After you, gentlemen.
0: Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, and that was kind of when I was just over it like and and I had done a bunch of research and you know people were coming out of the surgery and yeah their seizure activity was lessened not completely eliminated but lessened but some of them were having a hard time hearing certain notes of music and some people had issues with their sense of smell or their hearing like there's there's so much in your brain that we don't understand and they're just going to go in and pull parts out of it to fix a problem but even then, it was like, no, let's not change your diet because that's too complicated. <laughs> it just blows my mind. Um, so that's kind of why I did the diet on my own. It's like, people go on diets all the time. Like, right. people, you know, go vegan or, you know, do paleo and their doctors don't freak out. What's the difference between that and me going on the keto diet? And if it works, great. If not, no big deal. You know, what's the worst that can happen? So, so yeah, and they, they never brought up, the BNS, the, the implant, you know, the, it's like the vagus nerve stimulator, I think is what it's called. Um, uh-huh. it, it kind of, re- when you have that abnormal electro, like electric activity in the brain that precipitates the seizure, it kind of like rechannels it elsewhere or something. I'm not quite sure how they work. I wasn't very interested to be honest. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so basically it's a temporal lobectomy is the actual, Name of the surgery.
1: I mean that. Yeah, that blows my mind too. Just that um, you know, they even your your medical care staff knew that there is, um, you know, there is literature about the ketogenic diet and its use for epilepsy, but they still opted to you know maybe push more removing part of your brain. As opposed to, you know, hey, maybe you should change your diet. That, um, yeah, well, that,
0: and that was the kicker when I had that six month follow up where I told the physician's assistant that I was doing keto. At the end of it, she's like, you know what? We have a ketogenic nutritionist on staff. Let me give you her information. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, hold up one <laughs> second. You what? <laughs> I wow. was so mad. Like you've been telling me all along that you don't support this, but you have a nutritionist for keto for epileptics on staff. See, I'm still mad about this and it's almost yeah. four years later. Oh, um, <laughs> but wow. yeah, it just, to me, that just feels like malpractice. I mean, yeah. I know that's a pretty severe word to throw out there, but if you have all this information and you have a protocol for it and you're keeping it from patients because you haven't had a patient who's been able to stick to it. So you're assuming we're all going to fail. No, no, that is not okay.
1: So, yeah, I uh, broke up with her. Uh, I don't blame you. That, I mean, yeah. that just, uh yeah, it boggles my mind. And it just seems completely backwards that you would start with, you know, removing part of the human brain before, hey, like, you know, here's this dietary approach we can tweak, you know. I yeah. That's fascinating. Um, you know, speaking of that, um, you know, some of our listeners are probably very familiar with uh, ketogenic diets, but others um, probably are not. You mentioned earlier that um, you know at least the uh, the composition of the diet you were following initially. I believe you said was was it eighty eighty percent fat, fifteen yeah. percent protein, five percent carbohydrate. Area. um so i guess could you just give a little bit of a um little bit of a rundown of what some of the foods are that you really focused on as you um you know as you started on your ketogenic diet and um you know what did you do at the start and has has that shifted over the years at all
0: Sure. So in the beginning, which is kind of funny, because I've I've changed my diet over the last three or four months. um, A lot of like dairy, if if I couldn't have dairy, this would not have been possible. I'm not even kidding. Like (laughs) dairy is such an efficient fat source. And it's amazing. Um, So I would have a lot of things like I would make scrambled eggs, and I would probably like a third of a cup of heavy cream in with the eggs in addition to um, the butter that I cooked them in. So I would scramble eggs and then I would load it up with like cream cheese or, you know, and I would throw bacon in it. Um, it was, my diet was very slapdash in the beginning. It was just like, let's just throw as much fat in here as possible. And if I could have more protein at the end of the day, we'll do that. But otherwise we're full. Um, which was uh, what was amazing about it was that I was eating, like I was just basically shoveling all this fat in on a daily basis and I was still losing weight every week. It was just kind of like mind boggling. Um, but I, uh, I used a lot of mayonnaise. Well, I really like mayonnaise for starters. So like I would have hard boiled eggs and I would put a dollop of mayonnaise on top of the egg. It was, so with every bite I would have a mouthful of egg. It was like an egg salad, but one bite at a time kind of weirdness <laughs> going on. Um, and I, I, I ate a lot of vegetables, but only because the vegetables were a vehicle for fat. So I would throw Brussels sprouts in a bowl and melt a ton of butter on it and then cover it in cream cheese. So <laughs> my food was not very aesthetically pleasing, but it was doing what I needed it to do. So it was able to keep my, cause not only was I burning endogenous fat from you know my diet, I, I had also started walking quite a bit um, when I first started keto. Um, cause I've, I've, I've always loved walking. It's always been a, a thing of mine. Um, and I was, ha- I had a lot more energy now cause I wasn't, you know, living off of cinnamon rolls and ice cream and double stuffed Oreos and all kinds of abominations. Um, so I had those energies. So it was kind of fun to get out and be social and pet dogs and everything. So, but yeah, so my diet was, was a lot of, um, I didn't, I didn't really do steaks or very heavy, heavy protein meals just because it's. It means you just have to add that much more fat to balance your ratios out. So if I had a steak, um, I would probably have like a small, like four to six ounce sirloin. And then I would make this really good sauce, which I haven't made in a while, where I just throw heavy cream, cream cheese and sriracha in a saucepan and then reduce it a little bit to thicken it up and then just pour it all over the steak. It's really good, by the way.
1: Sounds amazing. (laughs)
0: Um, would melt blue cheese over steak and then put like a garlic heavy cream, like gallons of heavy cream. I don't even want to think about how many, how much heavy cream I've had (laughs) over the last, uh, and then butter. Of course, butter is, is super easy to work in. So, so I did that for quite a while, although um, now in a, in a, in a treatment setting for children. So for children who are epileptic what ends up happening is they put them on this diet and then after about the two year point they found that because of the plasticity of children's brains, they were able to take them off of the diet and put them on quote unquote normal food, like, you know, you can go to a birthday party and have cake. It's totally fine. And they stay seizure free because their brain has adapted to that that state that the the, the ketones enabled when they were on the diet. And I have yet, and I challenge anyone: if you can find a study that shows, uh, you know, results from adults being on the ketogenic diet long term for epilepsy, because I can't find one. And I have dug around for years, trying. Like all the studies are like, you know, this percentage of adults were seizure free. This percentage of adults abandoned in the diet. They always emphasize abandoned in the diet. and They couldn't <laughs> stick to it. I'm like, I'm beyond that. I don't care. I just want to know efficacy. You know. So anyway, as time went on, my macros kind of shifted a little bit because after about two years of eating this way, just, I wasn't tasting food. I was just tasting fat. So I kind of had this in my mind where it's like, okay, if kids can go off the diet completely and stay seizure-free, surely I can lessen the amount of fat I'm eating. Still keep keep, keeping carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are always low. That's non negotiable.
1: Yeah.
0: But just being able to lower the fat so everything just isn't drowning in butter and cream and, you know, which is good. You know, don't get me wrong. It's just when everything tastes like it, it's like food doesn't really taste like anything anymore. Um, That's just my experience. I'm not saying this is universal for everyone across the board. Um, So I started speaking a little bit. So I I eventually like got it down to like between 70 and 75% and things were fine. And I had a little more and more, you know, freedom with diet, and I could have more protein, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, which is why I think it was either late May or June I decided to switch to the modified Atkins diet. Now, the modified Atkins diet is typically the protocol they put adults on from the outset because most adults, as I've repeated ad nauseum over and over again, don't like sticking to keto because it is so restrictive. <laughs> so they just they put them on the modified Atkins diet, which is sixty five percent fat instead of eighty percent fat. Um, which means you can have more protein. Carbohydrates are still 5%, so that stays the same. So I switched to that a few months ago, and that has been so much fun. And part of, the, part of the reason I wanted to do that was because I do a lot of weightlifting and a lot of hiking, and I was looking to put on more lean mass. And also because I had gone below what I had kind of thought my goal weight would be. So I'm trying to put on more weight in muscle mass. Which is really hard to do when you're eating seventy five percent fat. Like right. you need protein for that. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed, like in the last three months, like my numbers for lifting have gone up, and it's so cool. I'm like, this is really working. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> like my endurance for hiking went way up. Like yeah. So um, did my blood ketones drop? Yeah, a little bit. I do have to keep an eye on it. It like back when I was eating tons of fat and I was. You know, carrying a lot of endogenous fat, my ketones could range anywhere from three point oh mmol up into. I, I even hit six something at one point, which is kind of crazy. But now, because I have such low body fat, um, I'm usually like in the one to one point five range, which I haven't had any seizures or seizure like activity. So, uh, you know, I'm assuming things are hunky dory. And uh, you know, people tend to get concerned, and I'm like, look, I had seizures nonstop for you know 30 years of my life still managed to go to school go to college have a job I didn't end up in a ditch somewhere things are fine so if I have the one-off seizure that kind of is my body telling me you know what maybe we need to up the fat a little bit it's totally fine Yeah, Um, I've only been seizure free for like a fraction of my my adult life so um I just think people get so excited when you try and mess with things and makes them a little nervous. And I'm like, if anyone should be nervous, it's going to be me and I'm not nervous at all. So things are good.
1: Well, that's terrific. I love that mindset. And um, yeah, you just, you've got the experience on, on both sides of this. So uh, yeah, you know what the risks are and uh, you know, you'll probably, uh, I don't know you'll be a good, you're a good case study for anyone who wants to know about uh about this type of thing, and how do adults respond to a ketogenic diet and then yeah. again, if you um you've modified it, now you're doing modified atkins, so higher protein, a little bit less fat um mm-hmm. and so far so far, so good it sounds like um, yeah, and
0: that's what I find really funny is like just from being on Twitter for the last three years you know, the whole argument that it's not sustainable. And I'm like, there are literally thousands of people on Twitter. Like there's actually a thread happening right now where this, I think it's a a physician actually was reaching out and she's like, has anyone had success? And it's got thousands of replies. And they're all like me, Hey, me, Um, me too. You know? And it's, it's like, you know, just claiming it's not sustainable. is so disingenuous to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree. And um, I don't have a, like just, personally, I follow a, a ketogenic diet. Now, I don't have the same, I guess, restriction as you do in the sense that if I go off plan, I'm not risking uh, seizure activity. But, um, you know, I haven't felt restricted in the least in the, I don't know, two, I think two and a half years that um, that I've been eating a ketogenic diet. Um, you know, it's to each their own, but I think it does, it does patience a disservice if you um, try to convince them before they've even started it that, oh, you wouldn't be able to stick with this. That just yeah. kind of gets things off to a negative start when, as you mentioned, there are thousands of people who can attest to um, the idea that, no, it, it can be very sustainable.
0: Well, and with my personality style, if you tell me I can't do something, you're pretty much guaranteeing that I will do it. (laughs) So, (laughs) oh, you can't do that. Oh, okay. Hold on one second. I'll be right back.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm uh, curious about um, something you mentioned that, um, you know, prior to keto, you were also, you know, you were kind of going on more and more medications, including SSRIs and uh, you were dealing with anxiety um, how how did that change over um, you know over the course of the adoption of your ketogenic diet
0: it was it was kind of it was one of those things where I didn't notice it until I hadn't dealt with it in a while because um, once I went off of the uh, once I went off of Vipra, which was pretty much right after I had that follow-up with the physician's assistant, I, um, I was still taking Lexapro and I had, I had Xanax at home, but Xanax is also a rescue med for procedure. So that's still something I, I do still have around or rescue meds just in case. Um, and I was on Trazodone at night for sleep and boosperone and I had a whole like little collection of different ones. Um, and I would still have, kind of breakthrough anxiety like throughout the day like I would have certain triggers like an impending deadline or you know the surest way to guarantee I would have insomnia was like I have to be up at 5 a.m for this big huge deal so I need to be asleep by seven thirty. you know that kind of craziness um and after a while I just kind of noticed that hadn't happened in a while um so I just kind of got a hold of my my GP, who's the one that put me on the anxiety meds and stuff. And I'm like, Hey, is there any chance we can just start titrating me off of, you know, the lexicos you can cold Turkey Keppra, but you do not want to cold Turkey an SSRI. I don't know if you've ever been on one. Cause I cold Turkey Paxil back in the, in the like early two thousands. And like, it's, it's unreal. I, I actually looked it up and it's like second to coming off of heroin Um, as far as its effects on your perception of things and the zapping in your face and the, you know, it's crazy. So, so yeah, we titrated me off of Lexapro and trazodone, you know, wasn't that big of a deal. So I just kind of went off of those and get, you know, as a kind of, let's just see how this goes. And, you know, I would, I would have moments where it was like, I felt like I was having a, a bit of tightness in the chest or some difficulty sleeping that first year but not enough for me to want to go back on the medication. That's how I knew I was getting better because before it was like, just give me drugs. I don't care. Make this feeling go away. And I had also started exercising a lot more and I had started getting into powerlifting. And it was like my, the kind of the vehicle for my stress management and my anxiety management had everything was being channeled into working out because I became, I went from being addicted to food to being addicted to endorphins. (laughs) 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 Um, so, yeah. So after a while and the exercise really helped because, you know, I was new to powerlifting and my husband had been powerlifting for a long time. And so he took me to his coach. So he, this guy's like, this guy's like a world fam- now world famous, like at least nationally famous, like United States Powerlifting Association, like award winning coach. So there's no messing around. There's no lazy days. Like this guy puts you to work. So when you're first starting powerlifting, it's like your body hurts in places you had no idea you even had muscles or tendons um, in those locations. It's kind of unreal, but that hard work, like you go home and you don't even know your head's hit the pillow. It's like, you're just out. And between like the lowered anxiety and the improved sleep, I'm like, this is my life now. I'm keeping this forever, (laughs) which I have. you know, with COVID going on, I can't go to my gym or see my coach. But uh, we have we have a hex bar upstairs with plates, so we can do deadlifts and goblet squats. And you know, I've got I've got a bench and some dumbbells, which have been amazing. I got dumbbells for my birthday last year. So yeah, the the, the weightlifting and the hiking uh, really do a lot for you know stress management and just being able to cope with the year that is this year, <laughs> basically.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I can only imagine. That's great that you've. Got some of that equipment uh, right there available that you can do it while yeah. while the gym is closed. Um, and so we heard earlier how um, how your doctor responded to um, kind of your your transformation. I'm curious, how did like your family and friends respond? Um, you know.
0: It's kind of interesting. Like thinking, this is one of those things where my um, situational memory or my memory for events kind of gets a little fuzzy. Um, my my parents were like blown away, um, and it was funny because I remember that my par- my parents had actually come. They, they live in Tennessee, but they came up for a visit, and we were in a restaurant, and I ordered like keto food, and my mom's just sitting there looking at me. And she's like. And I'd lost probably over a hundred pounds at this point when she saw me. So that there was a definite noticeable change. And she's just like, so how does eating fat not make you fat? Like you can see the, the confusion on her face because, you know, she, when I was, when I was a teenager and, and, you know, a, a kid, it was, this was in the eighties and nineties of snack wells and low fat yogurt and low fat everything because fat makes you fat. So when you've got decades of, you know, this programming, it's kind of like, wait, what? Um, my friends were mostly supportive. Um, some friends were quite as supportive because sometimes when you're experiencing success in a certain area of your life and other people aren't, they tend to resent you for that success. So, um, those people have kind of fallen out of my life, but I figure, you know, no loss anyway, if, you know, me changing makes them think that I'm it's like they take it personally, like you're doing it to as an affront to them, and it's like this has nothing yep. to do with you. Like, even knowing that it's for my epilepsy, it still didn't matter. Um, my best friend actually um, was extremely supportive, and she actually started keto, I think, two years ago, um, because she has migraines and she found that uh, the ketogenic diet like completely removed her migraines. So she was on, she was on Topamax for migraines, which blows my mind because I was on Topamax for epilepsy. I didn't realize Topamax is used as an off label for migraines, which sucks because Topamax is like, it makes, it turns you in, into an idiot. Like you can't, it, it, it takes all the effects of having seizures in the you know, issues with articulating yourself and finding words in the aphasia, It, it may, they call it dopamax actually for that reason. Like even physicians call it dopamax because it just turns you stupid. <laughs> wow. And the fact that they're giving this and, you know, Lamictal I was also on and they give that to people for bipolar disorder. Like all these medications I was on and the things they were being used off label blew my mind. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, and I still like with all the hiking I do around the city, I'll run into old friends and they're like, oh my God, because they haven't seen me in, in a long time. So some of them are like, are you feeling okay? Like, <laughs> and, the, and some of them are doing the Now don't lose too much weight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. But some of them are just like, you look like you're happy and healthy. And I'm like, thank you. You know, so it, it it's kind of a mixed bag, to be honest. But my family has been awesome and supportive. So
1: yeah. That's and, and my mom
0: is actually, my mom started keto uh, last year, a little over last year, because I went to go visit them in July of last year. And she was able to go off of her high blood pressure medication. And she's had chronic asthma my whole life. So she was doing breathing treatments twice a day with a nebulizer and, you know, having to use her inhaler. And she's now gone from two nebulizer treatments a day to none. Wow. And that's even during like allergy season with like spring in, in Tennessee. So um, so yeah, she's, she's having a lot of luck with it too. Um, and then I have another friend who started it for her PCOS symptoms and she stuck with it because it alleviated a lot of her PCOS symptoms.
1: Wow. That's incredible. So the only
0: friends, so the only friends that, uh, and, and tying back to the conversation about how friends and family react, I had a lot of friends reaching out, show me how you did this. I want to lose weight too. And I'm like, all right. So I spent all these hours and mental energy and effort teaching people all about this. And they're like excited and they're posting about it on social media. And then like a week later, they're like having tiramisu with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wait, what? So the only friends I've had that actually stuck with it had a medical incentive to do so. So migraines yeah. and PCOS.
1: Yeah. So um, can't win them all. No, no. But uh, I mean, that's, that's amazing that you've helped inspire um so many people you know close to you in your orbit to um improve their health and I know um you know I know you do that to a wider audience just uh, through twitter you've got thousands of followers on there, and you know a very um a very gripping story so um yeah you know that's great that um that a lot of your friends and your family are very supportive. And those that weren't, I think that's a, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. If, yeah. if they're not, then you learned, you know, you learned, maybe they're not, if they're not there for you when you're improving yourself, maybe they're not the best uh, people to surround yourself with. Um, yeah. No, and, That
0: natural evolution of your social sphere in life, people come and go all the time. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um you know on on this journey that you've been on, what have some of the um some of the challenges been
0: um, I think early on before I'd really gotten used to it, so my husband is not even remotely keto in any way shape or form um so when I was first on the diet, it's the the social pressure. Um, because people are eating foods that you miss and you wish you could have. Um, now I'm at the point where I, you know, at one point I associated things like French fries and ice cream to seizure food. Um, so I, I could eat that, but then I'll have a seizure. And that was my only limiting factor. Like if it wasn't for the seizure, I would totally eat that. But as time went on and my physical fitness improved and I saw how my body reacted to getting the proper fuel. And I'm like, I could eat that. But then, you know, I won't, you know, I'll start to gain my weight back and I won't have as much energy for training and I will, you know, I'll crash on my hike tomorrow. You know, so it was like the incentive kind of doubled when it was epilepsy and physical fitness together being fueled by this, just changing what I ate. So yeah, the, so in the beginning it was, the, it was, although sometimes my husband will go and buy this croissant sandwich and he'll heat it in the stove to make it like warm and gooey. And the smell of like baking bread sometimes is, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I think another aspect is, um, you know, just people assuming that my diet is, you know, high in fat and therefore, you know, I'm unhealthy and my arteries are full of sludge and, um, you know, which is, it's like, yeah, you could talk about the lipid hypothesis and how it's been debunked and you could send them to cholesterolcode.com and Dave Feldman's work and, you know, which kind of debunks everything, but nobody's going to read that. They'd just rather go with what, you know, Forbes posted, you know, or Vox or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, so... And just, I think fighting all of the stigma and stereotypes around my diet. But I find if I bring up the fact that it's for epilepsy, people don't want to touch that because they're like, it's kind of like this, ah, she's disabled. We don't want to be you know, thought of as a bad person for judging her. So it's like, I'll just like, if it gets too frustrating, I'm like, this is my epilepsy treatment. And then I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And then I'll just kind of slowly back away, um, which is kind of kind of funny to. It, it's amusing to have that in your back pocket i'm like are you saying i should be having seizures like oh god oh wait no that's not what i meant and i'm like <laughs> Turn
1: the something off. to
0: think about when you judge other people for what they're putting in their bodies and has nothing to do with you whatsoever
1: right so, right yeah well um, <laughs> um i like it um and this um This brings me to the question that I ask everybody on this podcast. Um, Okay. Now that you've improved your health, what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before?
0: Hike anywhere between 25 and 32 miles in one stretch without stopping. (laughs) I am addicted to long distance hikes. Like, I just, I put on my shoe, like, you know, cause I can't get out to trails and I don't have a car. I live in downtown Seattle. So getting out to actual trails, I'm kind of limited to when my hiking friends want to go, but none of my hiking friends want to do 30 mile hikes, So I'm kind of Uh, limited to doing what I call urban, which is great in Seattle because within walking distance or what my definition of walking distance is, I should probably clarify. um, I can get to, you know, Elliott Bay, or I can go to Discovery Park Trail or Ballard, or there's there's like tons of trails and bodies of water and beautiful architecture. So I will just literally walk out the front door and get lost for 10 hours straight. And the fact that I can do that, and I haven't eaten that day yet because I'm I'm fat adapted. So I, you know, I don't want to have a a gut full of protein and fat on my way out the door. So I'll literally go out and hike in a fasted state and have no dips in energy whatsoever. I do put electrolytes in my, in my bladder and in my pack. So my, my hiking pack has a bladder that I just put uh, electrolytes in, but, but yeah, I'll just go get lost and meet cool people and pet dogs and take pictures of beautiful things that I find along the way. And it's just this very surreal like I used to look at marathon runners and wonder, why can you, why do you do this? What's the point? And then once I get out there and it's like the endorphins kick in and you get the social interaction with people and the constant stimulation and the change in environment. It's just, you get kind of this buzz from it. And I haven't been able to do that in a week because it's too warm in Seattle right now, which bums me <laughs> out, but um but once fall hits, fall and winter are my hiking seasons. So I'm just patiently waiting for fall to hit. Yeah, that's. I think that's my favorite thing that I can do now, um, and I also not having to worry about having a seizure. Like there was always a risk of me having a seizure, and I mean there's still some risk. I mean there's different different triggers for seizures. You know that it's tied to like sleep deprivation, cortisol, you know, hormonal reasons, what have you. But I've just gotten so comfortable and not having seizures. I don't feel nervous about it anymore.
1: Yeah, that's outstanding. Uh, That's a a great answer to the question. Um, And I guess for anyone who uh, wants to hear more from you and, um, you know, learn more, whether it's about your hiking or, you know, keto or any of this, um, where can people reach you?
0: So my Twitter handle is Keto Hiking, so K-E-T-O-H-I-K-I-N-G. Um, and I also have an email address with the same the same uh, name. So it's ketohiking at gmail.com.
1: All right. I will make sure that um, those both make it in the show notes as well. Um, I can certainly vouch for um, the fact that, yeah, you're a highly recommended follow um, on Twitter. So oh, just
0: just... Just be warned. I can be very dry and sarcastic at times. I'm not being rude to people. I swear. I'm just being sarcastic.
1: Especially with
0: my friends on Twitter. So (laughs) just thought I'd throw that out there just in case. (laughs) I'm not a mean person. I swear.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for, um, for coming on the podcast. Uh, Is there Anything else that you want to um, – any other message you want to put out there uh, before we close here?
0: Uh, no. I, th- I mean, I think like if, if anyone's curious about, you know, the ketogenic diet for epilepsy, some great resources are, as I mentioned, the Charlie Foundation. Uh, Johns also has a really good um, section of their website that, you know, devoted to epilepsy for – or ketogenic diet for epilepsy – Uh, There's also a group called Matthew's Friends. I think they're based in either the UK or Canada, which is specific to uh, the ketogenic diet for epilepsy that I'd recommend.
1: Okay, that is great. And I'll make sure to get those in the show notes as well. And those will be found at com slash podcast slash Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, this has been really fun i hope you enjoy the rest of this warm seattle evening
0: all right thank you so much it's been a pleasure
1: thank you for listening to you here and what join us again soon for another story of healing